The SOAR firm is a private mental health practice. Um, I'm located in Greenville, South Carolina. And so I provide a variety of different services such as counseling. Um, I also do some coaching, which is more short-term based, people that are just kind of trying to you know, navigate some issues or some challenges and just kind of need a strategy to get going. Um, and then I also provide some consulting services. And under that umbrella, I provide clinical supervision to social workers who want to pursue their clinical license and be able to practice um, therapy independently. And I also do work with other social workers who want to kind of start their private practice and maybe just don't know how to get started. So I help them kind of create a plan um, and just kind of help them navigate that process and get their private practice up and running. And then I also do workshops, um, you know, with businesses, with organizations and, and with um, different people in the community, um, just to bring more awareness to mental health and just kind of normalizing mental health and really educating people on the importance of taking care of our minds. Wow. Now, mental health is a, a very important field. And I think even now with all this going on with COVID-19, I mean, it is it's probably something that's on the top of people's mind more. So, and I know that you just didn't start when the COVID-19 happened. So tell us a little bit about, <laughs> you know, what was your life before starting the SOAR firm and just kind of like what made you want to make that leap to start your own firm? Well, um, I went into the field of, so I went to USC, University of South Carolina. I went there to obtain my master's degree in social work um, after graduating with my bachelor's degree in sociology from Landa University. And um, after completing grad school, like I, I knew I always wanted to help people. I didn't always know what that was going to look like, but I just knew at the core of who I was, like I always enjoyed helping people um, and just seeing people thrive. And early on in my social work career, um, I worked in child welfare, which was very interesting. Um, I also did some program management, um, managed you know, a staff of people within child welfare. So got some management experience. So that was, you know, <laughs> that was quite an experience. And I think that definitely taught me a lot about how to be a leader. Because, <laughs> you know, sometimes managing people, adult people can be a lot more difficult than managing children sometimes. So now I guess were you in a position where you were managing people who were older and younger than you or? Yes, yes. That one is always interesting <laughs> to me. It's just, it's just like being in that position where uh, I think one of my first um, experiences was having to manage people. Um, and it was like, I was, it was one lady, was, I was leading a project and it was one lady, she was probably maybe in her late 50s. Um, mm -hmm. And there was something that I said, okay, all right, this is the way we'll approach it, we'll do it now. Everybody on the team was okay with it except for her. <laughs> <laughs> so it definitely let me. It was one of those experiences. It's like, wow. Um, all right, now I got to deal with someone who doesn't agree with me. But it's like, you know, it was a challenge because I was maybe in my early twenties and mm -hmm. she was like in her late fifties. So I'm like, I kind of like she was about the same age as my grandmother at the time. So I'm like, I feel bad for like, like 
telling her like, hey, this is the path we're going to go, even though she doesn't agree. But yeah, that can be very interesting. Yeah, it's hard sometimes. And you're right, especially when sometimes when you're supervising people who are older, because they think because you're younger, you don't know as much or you're not as experienced. But I do believe that leaders are called. And so I, I, I think that, you know, I, I believe that not everyone can be a leader or a true leader, um, but it definitely is a calling. Um, and, you know, it's not really about age, but it's about does this person have what it takes to lead by example, to um, pour into their team, to develop their team. And sometimes that's a skill set that people who may be older than you may not necessarily have. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you find yourself developing, like, or you say, refining those skills of being able to pour into people, being able to, you know, understand where they were starting from and helping them, you know, make progress to the next step? I would probably say so. I have always been a problem solver. Like, as, as long as I could remember, like, I always enjoyed like solving problems. If there was an issue that I saw, I was like, okay, I'm going to figure out how to fix this. Now that can be a a benefit, (laughs) but it also can be to a detriment too. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when it comes to working with people, because you, you find yourself in some cases investing too much. Mm -hmm. So I think that was a big lesson I had to learn, like learning how to meet people where they are. Mm -hmm. And I think um, social work taught me that because in the field of social work, we are taught to essentially meet people where they are. We can't expect people to be on a certain level if we don't first meet them at the level where they're at Mm -hmm. and help them to create a vision for where they want to go and help guide them and help them create a strategy for how to get there. But a lot of times we're just like pushing people like, you just need to do this, you just need Mm -hmm. to do this. And some people either just don't have the capacity to do certain things in the moment or just don't have the willingness and we have to be able to discern which is which like is this okay they just don't have the skill set and if they don't have the skill set okay can I provide this for them or do I need to um, refer them to somebody or connect them with somebody that can give them what they need so that they can be successful Mm -hmm. and I think that's a very important aspect that I've learned not from the social working aspect but from just the peer business and marketing aspect because one of those challenges that I see a lot of business owners or even as I do these interviews or just working with some of my own clients is that they're trying to grow their business and they're trying to attract customers and it's like they already have in their mind this is what the customer needs and it's just like customers aren't feeling like hey I don't think you understand where I am right now so it's like you're trying to tell me what you think I need but I don't feel like you've actually taken time to really understand what my unique issues are, what my problems are, and then help me move forward from there. I mean, how do you find that when it comes to connecting and like say getting new clients for your business kind of, what has that experience been like for you? Um, I have probably received most of my referrals um, by word of mouth. I also, I mean, I advertise online um, and other, you know, social media platforms, but I would say the majority of my business comes from current clients who are like, oh my gosh, like this has been helpful. You've really helped me. I got to tell my friends or I know somebody that, that needs you. And that goes back to building rapport with people. Um, And it's interesting that you brought 
you know, what you set up because I don't feel like we can really make an impact in people's lives until we first learn how to build rapport with them. People need to know that they can trust us. And so that's very important in the therapeutic process. When a client comes to me initially, you know, I, I pretty much kind of lay out what the process is going to be like, especially if this is their first time seeking therapy. They may have some questions, they may have some fears. And so we talk about those things. And I make it clear, you know, this is the process. I let them know that I am in no way a know-it-all. I don't know everything. I'm not an expert in everything. Mm. But my goal is to facilitate this journey to help facilitate this journey for you and to essentially be in the passenger seat or the passenger side. I'm not driving the train for you because I still want to empower you to do that. But I'm just kind of like, okay, you know, you're in the passenger side, just kind of pointing, all right, turn there, turn Mm -hmm. there. So just kind of be that guy. So that first session, we're building rapport. My sessions, you know, I like to, I'm pretty laid back. I have a laid back personality. Mm -hmm. I love to laugh. I love to have fun. And so I think that's one of the things about me that I like, about my personality that I like to bring um, out in the sessions. And I feel that that definitely does help clients feel more comfortable. They're like, okay, this was good. Like, I feel at ease. So building rapport, um, learning about, you know, what the client likes, like what are their interests? What are things they like to do in their spare time? And if I find that we have some commonalities, you know, I'll bring those things up and we'll maybe chit chat about certain things that we have Mm -hmm. in common. So that definitely helps, um, you know, kind of set the tone for the relationship. Okay. And I think that that's very important. I mean, especially when you have, like I said, a, a product and a service like yours to where, you do really become intimate with, you know, their life and what's going on with their life to where people really have to feel very comfortable with, you know, you know, have to feel very comfortable with you to be mm-hmm. able to really open up to get the benefit out of it. I mean, and I think you brought up a, a good point that I like to ask a little bit more about, like, when you understand from your perspective of, first, where they are today, and you're kind of getting a view of, hey, where they would like to be or what their goals are. What are some of those things that you do to really help people see the value in the, the process that you're facilitating versus just them just saying like, okay, all right, yeah, she gave me some goals. It's just like anything else. I can go read a book to get this, but how do you differentiate to really help them see the value that they get from your process? Um, I think one of the things that I emphasize is that (laughs) because one of the common um, phrases I get a lot when when clients come to me is like, you know, I've been trying to just fix myself. I want to fix this part about me. And I tell people that if we could fix the things about ourselves that we would you wouldn't need you wouldn't be sitting here in my chair today. (laughs) (laughs) If you really have what it took (laughs) to fix this part of you then we wouldn't be sitting here. Um, But I help them to see that it's not so much about fixing ourselves, so to speak, but it's really about learning how to manage our life. Because there are just going to be some things about our lives that we can't change. Um, There are going to be some things that we just can't avoid um, as it relates to our lives. And so giving them tools, and that's what I really emphasize, like, the whole purpose of therapy is to provide people 
with tools so that they can manage their lives. Because the tools that oftentimes we have or that we're using may not work anymore. Mm-hmm. They may not be effective anymore. And so if I'm trying to use a Phillips head and I really need a flat head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so realizing that therapy can be um, very instrumental in helping us manage our lives. And that essentially I want to get clients to a place where they no longer need me. And I make that clear. You know, the purpose of therapy isn't to be here forever. Mm-hmm. But the purpose is to get what you need to get out of it, but then get to that place where you no longer you no longer need me. Okay. And you mentioned about the tools that you have. Um, and I saw the the free ebook that you shared on LinkedIn, which I, I thought I was going through it myself and I thought that, you know, this is a good resource without telling us all the tools that you have, because I don't want you to give away the whole house for free. But uh, what are some of the, the tools that, that you've seen work effectively that, that people can like start that journey? Um, so in the world of therapy, So in school, they teach us different therapeutic techniques. And these therapeutic techniques are um, pretty much essential to helping clients shift their mindset because the whole goal of therapy is to help kind of reframe our thought patterns. There are a lot of thought patterns that we deal with on a regular basis. And sometimes those thought patterns are not always positive. Um, In many cases, they're negative. And that could be based on our experiences, how we grew up, just how we see ourselves, how we see the world. And so one of the um, primary tools that I like to use is what we call cognitive behavioral therapy. And the goal of CBT is what we call it for short, Mm -hmm. is to help identify what are the faulty ways we're thinking, right? To identify the, the faulty thinking patterns and identify how that is influencing our behaviors and then figuring out how do we reframe those thoughts? Because if we don't reframe the thoughts, then we're not going to change the behavior. So for example, if I have this belief that I'm never good at anything, then that may impact my ability to pursue certain opportunities. I may not go for that promotion at work. Or I may not, um, you know, embark on a business venture because I just feel like I don't have what it takes. But if I can go through that process of challenging that thought pattern and ask myself, okay, what evidence do I have? Or what would be a different way to see this? How could I see myself in a different light? And going through that process, that helps shift our thoughts, but then it also helps change our behaviors. Um, and it's not a it's not an overnight thing. It definitely takes time. Mm-hmm. It takes practice. So I tell clients, like, listen, it's not going to be like you're going to wake up one day and be like, oh, my gosh, okay, this, <laughs> it happened. Like, it takes work. <laughs> it takes work. <laughs> and I think that's always, you know, an interesting business to be in is, is where, you know, to really see the benefits of what you're offering them. It is going to take, you know, time and you know, they have to have patience and be consistent with it. Um, yes. So I, th- I think that that's a very big thing. So yes. so you've told us a little bit about your, your background, the, the firm, and I guess, you know, what you've done and just starting it and the services you offer. What are your, like, your future goals? Like, where do you want the SOAR firm to be? What are some of the, those aspirations you have? 
Um, I definitely want to expand the business. Um, one of my ultimate goals is to be able to plant different branches, like in different parts of the world and really bring mental health to certain parts of the world where there isn't a big focus on it. Um, and really trying to normalize mental health, help people to see the importance of mental wellness and how, you know, when our mind is well, then we are well. Um, because our mind is connected to our body and our spirit. So if our mind is off or is not well, then it's going to impact our physical body. It impacts our spirit. So really um, just traveling the world um, and just really helping normalize mental health and, and making people aware of the importance of it. Okay. Now, outside of the sore firm and, you know, your, your profession, what does Lakia do to just kind of disconnect and just kind of do your thing? I'm a big music junkie. I love music. So I love all kinds of music. So when uh, prior to COVID-19, <laughs> I had a couple of trips planned to go to a, a few concerts. Of course, that got canceled and okay. that was a bummer. But I really enjoy music. Um, I enjoy traveling. Anytime I get an opportunity to travel, whether it's out of the state or out of the country, I just love exploring the world. Um, I also do Spartan races, as you know. Okay. That's kind of my, <laughs> that's my way to help take care of my body, but also my mind. It's a good way to challenge myself. So I enjoy doing um, obstacle course races and just really spending time with family. I'm really chill. If I don't have to be on the go, I'm not on the go. So I'm not that kind of person that I feel like, oh, I got to be up and doing something all the time. I can just sit at home and just relax and just enjoy myself and um, just rest. You know, I admire that about people because that is something that I think this COVID-19 has definitely, it's forced me to do that more. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not, not one of those people who's used to doing that. I, and I think that there are a lot of people that find themselves like that, where they're used to just being on the go, having something to do. Then when you get to like home quarantine measures to where there are some people that are really struggling now, because they're just yes. like, I gotta be out. I gotta go do something. Um, what kind of advice or like, you know, thoughts would you share with a person who's having a challenge with that? I would say listen to your body because our bodies tell us what they need. And we typically know like when we need rest, but I think there's this internal pressure from self that says, okay, I gotta be on the go. I have to be doing something. But your body's like, no, like we're tired. We need rest. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> so taking that pressure off yourself, being um, gracious towards yourself and realizing that, okay, listen, in this season with what we're doing right now with the quarantine, you may not be able, you may not have the capacity to perform at the level you were performing prior to this, but realizing and understanding that that's okay. Um, for some people, they may just need to rest. For some people, it may be an opportunity, okay, now that I have some quiet time, I can work on some of these projects that I've been saying I needed to get done. Um, but really listening to your body and letting your body lead you um, in terms of what you need to do. And I've even had to be more intentional about that too, because even though I'm still working, um, you know, I'm still coming to the office, still doing sessions virtually, 
-hmm. but I've had to even be more intentional about, okay, if I don't have the energy to work out today, don't force yourself. It's okay to rest. So just listening to your body. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So how can people get in touch with you if they want to hire you for your services or if they want to follow your, you know, the videos or the information that you're putting out? Um, so my website is www.thesorefirm.com. So that's S-O-A-R-F-I-R-M. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram under The Sore Firm and also on YouTube as well um, under The Sore Firm. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and have a great day and all the best as you continue to pursue your goals with your business. And that concludes another episode of the Business Talk Library. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can connect with us on any social media platform, Instagram, at Business Talk Library, LinkedIn. You can follow the Business Talk Library hashtag. You can also connect with us on Facebook and YouTube, searching for Business Talk Library. If there's any topics that you would like addressed or any questions you have about your business or your career path that you would like for us to answer on the show, feel free to shoot us a note on any of those platforms and we will try our best to get to them. Remember, keep it simple. Oh.